You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable podcast, your go-to show for Catholic ministry shop talk. Episode two, three essential elements of catechesis. So you're a catechist. How well do you really know your content? And how well do you know your audience? Without these two core components, it's going to be hard to do effective catechesis. But don't worry, Tom and Alan have a lot of tips to help you be the best catechist that you can be. Keep listening. Hey, I'm Alan. Today we're going to talk about the three-pronged ministry strategy every catechist should know. I'm here with my friend, my cohort, Tom McCabe. How you doing, Alan? Oh, man, I'm doing very, very well. It is a glorious, beautiful day in Philadelphia. The leaves are yeah. changing. The weather is cool and crisp. It's awesome. You know what? I was um, actually watching the news this morning. And just for you listeners, that so you know what day it is, it's actually November 8th today, um, voting day. And uh, I was watching the news uh, for you, all of you that are in uh, Philadelphia or actually in, in Pennsylvania. And it, it was showing the long voting lines because I, I actually voted two weeks ago down here in Atlanta. But uh, how bad were the lines this morning for you? You know, not bad at all. I actually anticipated it to be horrible. And uh, I, I showed up and I was maybe like fifth in line. But I got there like an hour after the polls opened and the guy at the door said that uh, at seven o'clock it was an absolute zoo. There were so many people. They had like 200 people between seven. And when I voted, I was number 201. So it was pretty busy, I guess, in the morning, the first thing. And then I got there just after eight o'clock and it was a cakewalk. So Wow. Wow. So did you vote for yourself again? I, I mean, did. I, I wrote myself in. I, I have trouble. I spell my name wrong, which is always a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's always a problem. I can't for get me that right. Stuff. Yeah, darn it. Darn it. Well, I mean, it is a it's a huge, huge election. Right. We all know that. Um, but I, I got this um, wonderful text this morning. Um, a friend sent it to me. It was, it was just a line that Archbishop Chaput had, had said. Uh, um, and it's 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 just apropos. He said, we're Catholics before we're Democrats. We're Catholics before we're Republicans. We're even Catholic before we're Americans uh, because we know that God has a demand on us prior to any government demand on us. So mm. I like, whoa, not to make it totally serious all of a sudden, but like, wow, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's powerful. That's you know? huge. Yeah. Well, um, you, I just, uh, people probably don't know about this about you, but, you know, we like to do these cate- these um, podcasts about different aspects of ministry and, and catechesis, right? And um, uh, you are a, um, a catechist extraordinaire uh, in many ways. I mean, more than anything, you're, a, you're a, a goober extraordinaire, I'd say. But, you know, aside from those other idiosyncrasies that you have, that you've got, but that, you know, you are a a catechist for 11 years down here, uh, you know, near my hometown or here in Atlanta, but uh, at St. Thomas Aquinas as a youth minister and before that at another parish. Um, so, I mean, that's what we're going to kind of move toward talking about today is, you know, how to become an effective catechist, right? But uh, but before that, I just got to comment on your shirt. Like, wow. I mean, I don't, we didn't plan this. Just so you know, Alan here, uh, Alan Austin. I call him my Ostermeyer Wiener because his last <laughs> name is Austin. But he's uh, he's got this blue and green checkered shirt, and I actually have a blue and white checkered shirt. Yeah, but the difference is yours looks really cool. I look more like a tablecloth. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, they say great minds think alike. And apparently well, maybe our, ours so. do too. Yeah. So me, like I, I look at this, I'm like, oh, I got to go out and get a better one at Old Navy. Cause, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like I'm looking at this French restaurant when I look down at my shirt, you know, can I get you a baguette with some uh, Trinitarian butter on top? I mean, cause what yours looks the, much better. What is the house? Uh, I can't do a French accent. <laughs> what is the house red with a French accent? <laughs> That was more like a Czechoslovakian accent, right? That you did there, but that's all right. French always well, sounds like people are mumbling to me. It just sounds like they're going. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, just stick your lips out and you just sort of talk like this. I guess I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, this is good stuff. Um, it's always great doing these podcasts with you. But um, today we're actually going to talk about a um, really kind of like a a three pronged strategy that I think. Every catechist should know, Alan, you know, um, the what, the who, and the how. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd say that in my opinion, like there's like a, a three, a high level, like proficiency in three areas that any catechist should know and have, right? Um, that I call the who, the what, and the how. And I'd just love to kind of banter with you on that today if you're open to it. Sure. Absolutely. I will banter uh, away. Awesome. Awesome. So, the- so, uh, Go ahead. The who, the what is the content? Is that right? When you say the yeah. what, you're talking about the content, like what we were loving the Lord and teaching the gospel, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. That I, I'd say, you know, any catechist should have proficiency in, in whatever whatever they're getting ready to teach. Any any youth minister, any volunteer, you should know the what the 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 what, which is the content, the who, which is your audience, and I think the third one is the the how. In other words it's great, you know, you know, you know, the content in the audience, but you got to know ways to connect the two so that it becomes relevant and meaningful for, for your audience. Right. Sure. Cause I find that people, they either, they either love the content, right. That we're talking about, um, or they love the youth crowd, right. And they love being with them and love working with them. But I find much less people who are able to really connect the two of those together. So, um, so I think we'll take a break in a maybe in a just a couple couple minutes, but but I think what I'd love to do is just there's that one golden nugget that we'll leave it for the end, right? <laughs> that, okay. Yeah. That I think uh, that you brought up to, to me recently that I thought was really you know really good. If there's one takeaway that I'd see that they'd want to get away from this, like that, what's that? What's that one thing that they would want to get across more than if they need to get across anything when they're working with these young people? Um, you know, I'll, I'll leave that nugget maybe for you to share at the end. Sure. If you're cool with it. Yeah, we'll leave them in suspense for a little while. Okay. So we'll be right back uh, with this podcast on, uh, you know, the, the three strategies that every, every youth catechist should know. It's hard to live out your Catholic faith on your own. In fact, the Bible reveals that we need a community of people to help us on our journey of faith. If you're interested in finding that community by joining or starting a small group study, visit ascensionpress.com and sign up for a free Ascension account. With your account, you'll get all the tools you need to start walking with others towards Christ. Okay, so we're going to talk here about really first the content, right? Mm-hmm. The the what, and that it's important for catechist to know the, the the what of whatever we're talking about, 
right? That I, I'd say, really, the average youth catechist today probably doesn't need to be, at least I'm finding this, and maybe you can share from your experiences, but they don't need to be the expert um, in every doctrine and everything that's out there. I think there's so, so many good resources. I think the Catholic Church and publishers and nonprofits and so many of them, we're getting so much better at delivering better content that's clearer and concise and relevant than, than even a generation ago. Uh, you look at our program, for example, here at Extension, our programs like Chosen, our Chosen Confirmation Program, our Alteration, um, our Life Teens materials. You can go down the list, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because of that, I don't think they need to be the expert anymore, uh, uh, that they have sure. to know everything. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I even think back in the day, you know, I was at a like a networking meeting or conference one day and somebody asked me what I use. And I said, well, what do you mean? What do I use for youth ministry? And they said, well, what do you use? Like what material do you use? And I said, um, the catechism, you know, is this a trick <laughs> question? I wasn't sure like what they were, you know, the Bible. I don't know. You know, I wasn't sure like what they were asking. And they said, well, can you spell the Bible? <laughs> is that with two B's? <laughs> and yeah, I just didn't know what they meant by that. And they were asking, you know, what publication did I use and that sort of thing. And they're all sort of the same, whether you you take you know the church teaching and it's really in like how you say it, how you deliver it, what rapport do you have with the person you're delivering it to and that sort of thing. So the content is the content, you know what I mean? Like you really just pick up a catechism, you know, it's all about the um, kind of the tone and how it's delivered, which was one of the things that um, not to toot you know, our own horn, but that's one of the things that brought me to Ascension was um, I just felt like they got it. You know, they um, they wanted to wrap everything with all the truth with beauty and deliver it in a, in a simple, straightforward, but beautiful and eloquent, eloquent way to, um, to deliver the gospel message in a way that was relevant to people and not just, you know, open up a catechism and read in paragraph 1555 says this, you know what I mean? And so, um, so yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. You don't have to be the expert. Um, as long as you know what you're teaching is true. And, and if you have a, a good tool like a catechism, then you've got that covered. And so, um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's important to um, to understand that. Yeah, I, and 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 so uh, when we're talking about the what, I mean, it, it, what we're saying is, you know, your your youth team, your youth leaders, whoever is, they need to know, you know, understand the doctrine, right, and all that. But uh, fortunately, there's so many resources where people don't feel like they've got to be the expert anymore. Um, but if for so, but the next point with regard to the content, I, it's important that they. Make sure that their their youth team does understand whatever the doctrine, the topic, you know, whether it's a, you're talking about a matter of faith or morals, or even if you're talking about an issue, you know, like a hot topic of some kind and how it relates to faith and morals, that it's important that your catechists know, at least know it at a high level. I mean, one of the things I'd always do is we, beforehand, you know, I, I would cover the topic with my team and then I would be like, so does this all make sense? Are you guys with me? And I would be certainly talking about it at a high level. It does. I'm very few of us need to know it at a debate level, right? It's just making sure we can understand it and kind of respond to the most common objection or objections, right? Um, so at least, at least that's what I found. I, I know, uh, recently, you know, uh, teaching this in a, in, a, in a Catholic high school, just with my, even the other fellow teachers, and we were talking about an aspect of the faith, we were, we decided across the board, we needed to address it, some issues of homosexuality. And just making sure that everybody, you know, at least the teachers were on the same page and understood, you know, 
really the church is teaching on homosexuality so that our kids could understand, you know, okay, there's homosexuality and then there's same sex attraction. Because I think some of our kids were confused thinking, oh, golly, I have some kind of same sex attraction. I must be bad. I must be, you know, I, 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 this is immoral. And helping just to understand this. So even as teachers, we, we looked at the topic at a high level first ourselves, right? So that um, we could just make sure we could go in there and, and present it. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I remember teaching about um, doing a night on same-sex attraction, homosexuality. And I remember telling my team beforehand, like, we're probably going to have people who walk out tonight. Just being, a, just make them aware of that simple fact. Like, we're going to, we approached it in a very loving and charitable way and talked about, you know, we started off with your identity is a child of God, like, period, not who you're attracted to or, and that sort of thing. And yet we still had people that as soon as they learned what the topic was, they didn't really didn't even give us a chance to kind of get into it. Um, and so just be prepared for that sort of thing to happen tonight. Um, but let me ask you a question. What if, um, cause we did the same thing with it. And I think it's valuable and worth mentioning. Like we were a life teen parish. And so we had our youth groups were called, we called them life nights. So I'm just going to refer to them as life nights. So before our life night, we would gather beforehand. I think we're going to talk about this later on too, and meet as a team to go over what the night was about to kind of get everybody on the same page and see if they had any questions, that sort of thing. So let me ask you this. What if it's in one of those pre life night meetings and you're going to talk about something, same sex marriage or, uh, premarital sex or contraception or one of those, you know, touchy Catholic topics. And what if one of your, your core members, your volunteers, your catechists, what if, what if they say, you know, Hey, whoa, whoa, hang on a second, Tom, I'm not sure if I, if I buy this, I'm not sure that I, that I, you know, I struggle with this teaching of the church. Like, how do you, how do you handle that? How do you, what do you do in that situation? Well, we actually had stocks at our at our church where you could actually put them in in stocks or burn them at the stake. So we we never really had that problem ourselves. After uh, the first two, you got to set that example. <laughs> exactly, you're gonna burn. <laughs> no, um, no, I I think that's a valid point. If we're ta- when we're talking about the what after saying you know you, you pull your team together, you huddle them. Uh, whether when, when I'm at teaching at a high school or whether I, when I was the youth minister, we would do this. Yeah, that's so critical. And um, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's, we need to make sure that everybody supports the teaching, you know, at least first, at least understands it, right? Or try and then, and then you, and so you answer those misconceptions, but then there are common objections. So the way I've handled that, uh, you know, I would say, guys, if any of you are struggling, it's, that's, that's normal. Come, you know, come speak to me about it. Or now's the time. Now we're in the huddle. When we get to the line, you know, if we're using a football analogy, we have to run this this play, right? And we all have to be running the same play. But but now's the time where we can wrestle with it. And and wrestling is normal. Mother Teresa, one of her famous lines was, "You cannot have faith without doubt." Mm-hmm. They in fact do go together, like because uh, you know faith is like having a conviction that certain things are true and you're, and so you're, it makes sense, you know, or it may not, but you're, you're trying to understand it. So I would say that first to my team, right? And now wrestling is not the problem, but, uh, there was one night when we were actually giving a, 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 a night on, on, um, premarital sex. And I remember then this young lady, I could, she, she was quiet and she was fidgety and she was one of my good catechists. And, um, I went over to her, are you, are, how are you doing? Are you all right? And she's like, man, Tom, I, I, you just got to know that I'm, I'm, I'm having sex. And, and I just don't know if I can talk on this. And I, and I was like, thank you so much for 
sharing that with me, uh, that I'd say what, what I ask you to do tonight is it, it charitably, if you if you're at a place where you're wrestling this and you cannot, in a sense, toe the line or, or share the church's position on this, just quietly, charitably, you know, excuse yourself from that conversation. Right. Uh, and I, I think that that's that's the upright thing to do. Uh, and so I would give my team, a, you know, certainly I tried always to let them know if, if this is where you are, let me know. And or at least in the in the moment, don't speak up on that. Uh, so uh, so having the challenge is not the problem. It's 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 coming forward and, and sharing something that's, you know, the antithesis of it. Uh, but I'd say be careful that your silence doesn't speak loudly. If you're if you're deliberately being silent in a moment and, you know, when the teens are looking at you that you know, and, and you know that, and you're, so you're, you're using that as a leverage against the teaching, but that isn't usually the case. The other thing I would say is this, Alan, we need to be an authentic ambassador for the church. If we are, if we are evangelists or catechists and we're standing up in front of these kids, it's okay to wrestle privately. And that's understood that that's, that that's, that's who we are as, as human beings. God wants us to have, you know, faith and reason and understanding all this. But if you, you're called to be an authentic representative of the church. If I was an American ambassador, let's say to Spain or something, and um, uh, President Obama was was pushing something forward, uh, I have to authentically represent what the American uh, government is saying. I can't say, well, hey, you know, I don't buy it. Here's what I think. This is what you need to do. I've I, I'm that that's my 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 position to to authentically represent what's being presented. And I apply that to this situation as well. When you are a catechist, you're obligated to be an authentic ambassador for the church, even if you're struggling internally on something. And, and so that I know is a long winded answer, but I think those are a couple of important things that come to my mind. No, it's good. I love your football play analogy. You know, we're all going to run the same play. And if somebody does not running the route they're supposed to run or, or blocking the person they're supposed to block, then the quarterback's going to get sacked, you know? Yeah. So that's, a, that's an important thing to, to keep in mind. You brought up something that um, I wanted to mention real quick, and that is just this idea of like the church teaches. Now for you and I, it, you know, we threw that term around a lot and my wife and I and, and use that in conversation with each other and with our kids. Um, but I would steer away from that many times if I was talking with teens in, in certain situations. And um, because I think if somebody is not sold on the church, then to say, well, this is what the church teaches is not going to sway their heart. But to say, well, mm. what does the gospel say about that? Or what does is, what is Jesus say? Or what does Christ say? Or how does what was God revealed to us in the gospels? Or something, you know, along those lines, that's a little more... Um, yeah. I'm not sure it gets away from the rules, I guess, of the, the church and, and more towards what is the God who loves us wants the best for us? What does he say about this topic? And how, what does he, you know, I love that the phrase, what has God revealed to us instead of yes. what does the church teach? Um, That's a great point. I think that that is so true because, uh, you know, like I would speak that way to my team. Right. Like, you know, hey, if this is if you're having a difficulty with church teaching, but I, I, I think the argument from authority is one of the weakest arguments. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think, you know, to young people, not only to young people, to everybody. And I always say, you know, um, we don't believe this is true because the church says so. That may be true. But we say the church believes this is true because it's it is true, good and beautiful. And I think what you're saying is appeal to the beauty of it, appeal to its goodness, uh, appeal to the fact that it makes sense and that that we believe this because it's true, good and beautiful. And and I thought that 
wins a lot more people to to what we're talking about. And I, I think that's a uh, that isn't just a nuance. That's a whole strategy for mm-hmm. sharing the faith that you're talking about there. So hey, when we come back, why don't we? Uh, well, let's just jump into you know kind of look at uh, the second you know pronged area, which is the who. Let's take a minute just to kind of look at you know what they should know about the who, the the audience. Um, when we come back. Here are five reasons to create your Ascension Access account today. One, you can preview one full session from each of our popular studies. Two, you can start a study with just four registered participants. Three, our studies can be run in person, online, or as a hybrid of both. And the best reason? An Ascension Access account is totally free. Sign up today at ascensionpress.com. So last night I'm doing homework with, with, my, with Noah. And um, my wife has Bible study on Monday night, so she's gone. So it's just me and and the boys. And um, suddenly Noah and I know a Blaze, who's almost ten months old. Oh, a little closer. So suddenly Blaze, who's almost ten months old, he starts um, like gagging. He was going, and I'm like, what? What's happening? And Noah goes, is he all right? And I'm like, I'm looking at him, and he's and he kind of like has like the gag reflex. And the nothing comes out, and Noah goes, "He ate a leaf." And I go, "How do you how do you know that?" And he was like, "Cause part of it's on the floor." And there was like half leaf on the floor, and sure enough, he had the other half was in his mouth, and it was like choking us. So I'm like doing like the pinky sweep. I was taught like when I was a lifeguard, like do the pinky sweep to get stuff out of an infant's Ooh. mouth. I was like, but. I, it doesn't work. <laughs> so I'm sweeping away with my pinky and nothing's coming out. But finally, you know, he was still breathing. And so we can, I didn't want to lay him down. I to keep him sitting up. And so finally he, he kind of like it, it jarred the gag reflex and he threw up a little bit and, and it came out with a, with a little bit of, you know, food and <laughs> formula, but he breathed but much better after that. But I was like, it's a scary little thing. You know, I was like, and if no, no, I hadn't said something. I was, I was, he was kind of like, I was kind of sitting this way talking with Noah and Noah could see him or, and, um, I wouldn't have won dad of the year award apparently for not seeing my 10 month old joke on a leaf. I'm like, why is oh. there a leaf in the floor? First of all, oh, oh, that, you know what I thought you were going to say? And you said, well, how do you know? Well, because I fed it to him. Dad. <laughs> You want to see what else is going to come out? You know that silly putty I couldn't find? Oh, well, that's, uh, yeah, we are back. Um, um, so let's, uh, let's jump into the, uh, the target audience, uh, Alan. You know, so I'd say the second thing that all of our catechists at a high level should know is, is the who, the audience to which they're, they're working with, right? Um, so not the band. So, not the band sorry? the who. Yeah. 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 This is the who. And so on that, on that, <laughs> sorry, I'm slow. <laughs> stupid jokes. God. Uh, but uh, they need to know, you know, really, I mean, at least with my teams would work with them. We, we would talk regularly about the current youth culture, trends, realities, maybe even some stats or anything that's going on with them. Right. Uh, so they had a basic understanding of the culture and their likes, their dislikes, things that were going on. Just to give you a quick example, I know uh, right now um, uh, for the for the girls that I've been teaching, that that the girls are are really having a much bigger difficulty with um, uh, the issue of homosexuality. Since we were talking about that earlier, we just keep on that topic. Whereas the guys, it's not been an issue, but they, the girls have been watching all these different shows, and they're saying, "But Mr. McCabe, these cu- this couple loves each other," and and I'm like, "Well, yes, yeah, so I, I 
truly you know, believe they love each other in many different ways. I just don't think they can love each other maritally. And, and but my point was that that was huge on their hearts right now for these girls. And, and we just had to be aware of this, you know, and, and not not uh, to, to, to point fingers at them, but to understand, OK, how can we help them? Right. So um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think it's huge because um, you can read a magazine about teens. You can read about or, or watch something that, that talks about teen culture. But really, the best way to learn teen culture is just to hang around teenagers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've lost touch since the last two years. I've lost touch of like pop music because I don't I don't listen to that much anymore. And when I was in youth ministry, I was always talking with teens and kind of knew what was on the radio and that sort of thing because I just spent time with them and was talking to them about it. But um, so, yeah, just to kind of stay in the world, like what TV shows they watching, what movies are they watching? What are the main influences out there? I mean, I mean, the advertisers know it for sure. They're targeting those people with uh expendable income. So they're, I mean, they're getting hit, you know, they're getting hammered, if you will, from, from the media and advertisers and, and, um, it's influencing the way they're thinking and talking and dressing. And yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't been in too many corporate meetings where the CEO said, um, Hey dog, what's on the agenda today? (laughs) You know, like they use a different language. They use, they wear different clothes. It's just a different culture. So. That, that's so true. I tell you, the other day, one of these kids came over to our house, my friend, my son's friend. He was new. He'd never been in the house before. And um, and I said, hi. Uh, so um, what's your name? And he said, Thomas. And I said, oh, hi, Thomas. I'm I'm Mr. McCabe. And he goes, sup. <laughs> and I was like, well, I said, oh, and, and I said, I, I was taken back. because I was like, oh, so you're the sup kid. Uh, and then my son's like, yeah, my dad doesn't like that. <laughs> but I, I showed my age real quick. But yeah, to this kid, apparently that's just, that's normal, right? He's a sup. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, building on that point that I think um, we want to be relevant to the kids as much as possible and, and know their culture and all of that. But um, in studying the 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 youth culture today and all that, I think a lot of us may feel inept in being able to reach them because we're, we're from a different generation, right? We're from a different cultural background. We don't know the music and all of those sort of things. And so if we try to fake it, we're going to really look stupid, right? Uh, And so I, 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 some people think differently on this, but, but I'm not of the adage that, that catechists need to be of the same cultural background same, you know, experience, same age group, or even the age group just above it. Because people say, well, you know, if you really want to reach, you know, high school kids, you, you've got to be in college, you know, or a young adult for sure. That, 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 but beyond that, you have no influence over these kids. And, and I would I would beg to differ on that uh, myself. I don't know what, what your thoughts on, are on that philosophy. Oh, yeah. I mean, John Paul II was one of the best youth ministers in the world, even when he was in his, you know, 60s and 70s. I mean, I think... People want somebody who's authentic. When uh, somebody asked me once, what is the number one thing I look for in a catechist? Is it, you know, how old are they or somebody who's just out of high school or is in college or somebody who's like cool or is it a guy, is it a girl? Or I said, no, man, I just want somebody who is authentic, who's just who loves mm-hmm. the Lord and is authentic. I don't care if they're a nerd or a, or they're not like, I just want somebody who is who they say they are. And I think that, I think we all do really. I don't think it's just a teen thing. I think we all want people in our lives that are, you know, you get what you're, they say what they mean and, and, and you know what you're, you know, where you stand with them and, and that sort of thing. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally. Because I, I, that's what I would say. If, if I uh, was speaking to youth ministers today, you know, um, I'd say, yeah, your your team, just make sure that they 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 love the teens, right? More than anything, they have a love for this this group, you know, the, the, this this cultural group and where they are. That they they have a love for Christ and and that authenticity for those two things comes through. Because I'd say, ultimately, universally, everybody wants to be loved. More than anything, these kids, right? Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll forgive you for being old fogey like I am, but they, um, um, it's going to be a lot harder for them to forgive me if they don't see that I love them. Right. Right. Absolutely. Love covers a multitude of, you know, our faults. Mm-hmm. So they had like a ton of nicknames for me. Most of them I can repeat in the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and it was fine if they called me like, you know, double A or A dog or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, if I got up there, like at a lifetime, I was like, you know, yo, a dog is in the hizzy. They were like, no, nah, man, just stop. It just, just, <laughs> just stop. <laughs> You're but showing the, your age. Yeah, man. But it's hilarious. okay. Like if you just want to be like, I've just established that I, I'm just a giant dork and I'm not afraid of that. Then it was fun. It was fine to just, you know, be dorky. Then you can speak that culture in a, in a joking way and they think it's hilarious. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because uh, they realize that you, you they, they see the gap and you are the gap and you're, you're acknowledging it. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, which may, then makes it really funny. Right. Um, just embrace, back, embrace the awkwardness. That's what I always said. Hmm. Mm. That's Meaning that's a that, really good line. Well, when we come back, uh, let's just talk a little bit about you know the how. You know, how do you reach this audience? How do you take the content um, and the culture, the youth, um, and and marry the two? Okay, sounds good. Hi, this is Father Mike Schmitz, and if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. So we're back and... um you know, so we've talked a little bit. I mean, this isn't deep. We're not diving deep. We're just kind of talking at a high level of some pointers about the what and uh, some pointers about the who. But let's just look at, you know, a couple of pointers about the how, right? And so I'd say that it is adv- advantageous if today's youth uh, leader is is uh, a good small group facilitator, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're using a discipleship model, whether you're using a large group model, whether you're using more of a classroom model, whatever it is, having someone that can tie it all together. And I think more than anything, they need to be able just to kind of break it open, right? Take take that topic and be able to, what I always think, I would say, hey guys, share an interesting point about it. You know, maybe some insight that you heard. So just you're making it relevant to them. Maybe how it impacted you Right. So I think those two things have are really important. And I, no, I've heard you always you always talk about authenticity, um, Alan, about making, you know, uh, making being vulnerable, being real. But but after you, you, you give a teaching, uh, would you argue that's probably one of the most important things that they could do is just, again, their authentic response to this or being vulnerable in their own struggles or how how they've dealt with it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um yeah, being vulnerable, I think, is is um, the key to that. You know, we want teens to feel safe enough to make themselves vulnerable. And hopefully, 
typically once one or two teens does that in a, in a small group in a setting, then the rest of them feel safe enough to share. But in order to get that one to open up, sometimes it's got to be you who's you know willing to just kind of make yourself vulnerable and put something out there. And um, that doesn't mean we're, you know we're glorifying and sharing all of our past mistakes and sins and that sort of thing, but just you know just being vulnerable and 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 real with them about your struggles in the world and um yeah does that makes that no answer? it makes perfect sense that's exactly what i was uh, i was wanting you to share because when you do that right alan i know when you've done then that gives the students you know or the youth or whoever you're working with the you know the audience the yeah, you know, uh, in a sense, the right or the openness to be to be vulnerable themselves. Yeah, right, and be authentic. They may be struggling with this teaching, right, uh, or or they're applying it in their life, and there's real stuff going on, right. So they got kimchi going on, and, and you've you've shared your struggle, your own uh, personal life, and it gives them that you know that place where they can share it as well. So I think that's huge. One of the the next things that I often will help uh, my teams uh, do is check for understanding, right? Uh, because especially if after you've shared it, you shared an interesting thing, how it impacted you, you're vulnerable, but asking them, so what do you guys think of this? Or, you know, how did it make you feel? Or, you know, uh, you know, why might people have a difficulty with what we're talking about? In other words, they, they may be having a difficulty with it, but you're checking for understanding and you're also checking for buy-in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think so many times we do this, and we think, well, we've shared it, so these kids are following us. And giving them a freedom and even a, a safe place to say, I don't get this. I don't understand it. And I'd much rather have that environment instead of all the kids there just sort of nodding their heads. Mm-hmm. like, with, like, And you think they're with you when, in fact, they really are not. And I think right. it happens so often because we haven't given them a safe place to really – share their opinions on it. Yeah. Mentally they're in the Bahamas, but they're nodding their head, <laughs> smiling at you. Right. 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 So yeah. that, I, I just think there's like a, a, you know, the church has what we call a law of graduality, right? That we, even though we, the catechesis may have been shared or the, we, we've, we've done our evangelization bit, we have to allow it to simmer, right? And to stew and and that takes time. This is this is the, the nature of who we are as human beings. That we don't learn by infusion, by we learn by acquisition slowly, and it, it comes to us over time. And thanks be to God, we have a, a God who is patient mm-hmm. with us. And so I think allowing that to simmer with the kids is is important. You know. Yeah, absolutely. On your earlier point, I wanted to just talk real quick about um, early on when I was a youth minister and Noah was was first born. Um, he makes for great, like babies make for great stories. And so it made it really easy to get up and like kind of start Sunday night off with some kind of a personal story that was like how he, you know, peed on me or Mm -hmm. something I did, you know, wrong as a parent or, you know, just some kind of like goofy story that kind of lets them know, Hey, this guy doesn't have it all together. Like, don't be afraid of that. You know, like, don't be afraid to say, Mm -hmm. I'm just a, I'm just a guy going through the world, trying to love the Lord as best I can. And I make mistakes along the way. And I hopefully I get more things right than wrong, you know, but just kind of letting them know, you know, just those little stories. I had to like stop telling them at some point because Noah was getting old enough to where the teens would see him. They go, oh, I know you. I heard about when you did this and that. And, you know, got to a point where I had to like start filtering my stories because I didn't want my son to have a complex because everybody knew all of his like ridiculous <laughs> antics as he was like, you know, growing up as a kid. Um, but my point is just that don't be afraid to like, 
let yourself out there, you know, and just be back to the vulnerability thing and just kind of, I think it, even if it's not in small group, even in large group, if you're again, telling that, that story about something that they might, they might relate to because they probably have little brothers and little sisters. They've heard stories about them or, you know, so I just want to, I, you know, that's, no, that's a good point. Cause I think, um, one of the, the best attributes for, you know, uh, anybody doing youth ministry is humility. Right. And I think being able to my my teens certainly heard my junk in the trunk enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, On those little things in a a prudent way. Right. Um, You know, but give me a catechist who who doesn't have a huge ego, who's open, open to learning and open to to walk this walk with the with the young people any day uh, over over someone who thinks they've got it all together, who may even have all the answers. uh, which and there's a mo- there's a time for that. There's a time to have that kind of person uh, to be able to to share. But um, give me someone who's real, who's vulnerable, um, you know, uh, and, and that that how to having that that in a sense a skill set or that those virtues are so I think for me so much more valuable mm-hmm. uh, on any day. So um, anyway, I think there's so much more we could say on this, and that may, that might be. Um, time for a whole nother podcast. Cause I think there's like a, a plethora of things we could say about, um, how, then, then how do you apply these two? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, what, the, what, and the who, um, but let me ask you this. So next steps. So what would be, uh, what would be the, the next steps that you, you might, you might take so in, in trying to help, uh, your team with, with these things, like each week you're getting your, your, your youth group ready to, to go out and, and, and do a teaching on the Trinity or, or whatever it might be. Um, can you think of what you might, what, what would you do to help to prepare them, you know, uh, for this, what the, who and the how? Um, yeah, great question. I think, um, something I did that, that seemed to be, um, effective and I think it would apply whether you're have a large youth group type situation or whether you have a more of a discipleship format. Um, I think it would work in, in both situations and that is, um, just getting the team together to, uh, to pray together. Um, mm-hmm. and also just to, to, to get to know each other and to handle any business and things, especially if you don't have a, if you're not getting together on a weekly basis for like a large youth group outing or meeting, then your volunteers may not be seeing each other. And so I think it's important to, you know, to meet once a month or however often is necessary for your team to get to, um, some of the, to get to talk about some of the business and some of the things that are going on and make sure everybody's on the same page with things. And if there's a retreat coming up or a fundraiser coming up or other things that need any planning or talking about just to have a chance to kind of talk about that, that the, the boring business part of it and get it out of the way. So when you're with teens, you can focus on being with the teens. Um, and also I think meeting, if you do a large group format, like having a time together, like to kind of huddle together, to, as a team before the life then to talk about what you're going to talk about that night, get the team on the same page, answer any objections that may arise. And if you have a, a, a team member who maybe does have a, an issue with the night and kind of address that with them at that point. Um, so just to kind of get all that stuff in line, um, something we did, Megan and I did that was um, really beneficial on a lot of levels was we would have a every Thursday night we would have just a potluck dinner at our house. And so it was open door that was ever on the core team um, was welcome to come over. And we had like a 
Facebook group. And so we could sign up on the group and tell what you were going to bring. And then they just kind of showed up and it was great. And we got to, you know, meet these people and, and talk to them on a, on a different level and not talk about teens. And they were welcome to bring their, their spouse and, and kids. And so some, some days we had, you know, just a handful of people. And some days our, we had a tiny little town home and it was just, you know, packed with people. And we just, we loved it, you know, and um, our kids were there and their kids were there and their spouse was there and we're out back grilling burgers or whatever and, and drinking some beer and just kind of talking about, you know, life, just doing life together. And um, that really brought our team um, close together, I think. Um, in, in a lot of ways. And some of those people are still some of my best friends. And so it's, that was a huge, um, and I, I bring that up because when I first got into ministry, I was worried about, do I want to keep the, the separate, my, my life separate from my ministry life? And so mm-hmm. do I want to be friends with these people? Or are they just people that I do ministry with? And that was a, just a, I found was a really stupid way to look at things, <laughs> wow. you, know, you know? And so once I finally incorporated, like, this is just who I am. This is just my life. And I want to do life with these people. And so our lives became intertwined. So it wasn't just a, Oh, you volunteer the church. I'm a youth minister. It was just, we were just friends that we were all trying to love teens together. And we each had different roles on the team might happen to be the guy who would, you know, take the blame when things went wrong and, and then, and appraise the team when things went right. But, um, but yeah, we're just all in this together kind of thing. Man, I heard you say four things, and I just want to catch these because I think as, as we go through, I do think systematically. But you said one thing, a huddle. If you're doing some kind of large group or uh, youth group or something like that, bringing them all together uh, just to connect, clear the air. It's kind of a quick check-in. And if you have the time to cover, okay, here's what we're covering tonight. Let's So everybody's on the same page. You talked about some kind of regular meeting right? The business type aspect of that, that whether you're using a discipleship model, a classroom model, but having that time, right? Um, and so both of those are very important, but there's an element in both of those that uh, you, you kind of touched on, which is this social component uh, that I think is huge, that uh, either having special time, the special social time, we had the same thing. Um, after I was a life uh, youth minister, a life team youth minister as well for years. And so we always just had our our death by chocolate after every night, every Sunday night, we, but we just called it. So who's going to death tonight? It's a terrible name for it, but that's just because it was just like, because it, it was a death by chocolate. We're just going to go out somewhere and we're just going to have a dessert and, 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 and shoot the breeze. But that social time was absolutely critical for us. Right. So whether uh, if you don't have time for that, then you, you work it somehow into a, the huddle that you're, there is an element of connecting or in the regular meetings, but your fourth point, which I think is, huge when you mentioned that these are the people that I want to, you know, do life with. And I, everybody may not be there, Alan, but I think that's definitely worth proposing, at least us proposing to our audience that really consider this. Where if, if this is your what you're doing, consider inviting these people to be part of your life because that comes across. It helps you to love your job. Uh, the teens see this. They see relationship. And this is this is all the entire faith is a relationship, right? It isn't just a it isn't a doctrine. These aren't just right. tenets of the faith. We're talking about true persons, mm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the reason why they may love probably love Christ is because they see Christ in you, you emanating that to them. Right? Yeah. Well, on that note, I'm gonna that that kind of is the segue to this final point. I'm gonna throw it to you there, Alan. One final takeaway. If if you could leave these youth ministers, these catechists with one thing, one thing that the youth leader should know, you know, or put it another way, what do you need to get across more than anything? There's a lot of the what that we need to get across. 
You need to know the who. You need to know the how. But if there's one thing that you need that, let's say, the youth need to walk away with more than anything, what would you say that one thing would be? Yeah, that's easy. Um, obviously, we want them, you know, our, I think our our goal is to create an environment where they can encounter Christ. So that's our kind of what we set off to do each night. And they'll, hopefully they'll learn something. Hopefully they'll have a good time. But if it's the one thing that I want them to walk away from the life night or from the discipleship meeting or Bible study or whatever it may be, the one thing I want them to walk away with is knowing that they are known and loved. Um, hopefully they'll recognize that they're being loved by a God through me and through my team. But that's the one thing I'd want them to walk away with is knowing that they are loved and they are known. Yeah. I I mean, we're not talking, we're just mere humanists. You're talking, we're Christian humanists. (laughs) Yes. We take them to the person of Jesus Christ through our own personhood. Right. And Mm -hmm. then that if they know that, that I love them and I want to know who they are, well, it's, it's because I have a God who loves me in this way, right? And 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 so that leads them to the person of Jesus Christ. I think it it really does boil down to that one point. I agree with you that that they are known and loved. That's why they'll come back. Yeah. Right. It's a place. It's that. You know, I was going to say I'm going to age myself. That's Cheers, right? Uh, right? Everybody yeah. knows your names, but it my, is. My it's son really, asked me this morning. He said he was complaining as he was putting his shirt and tie on for Catholic school, and he goes. Why do I have to wear a uniform for school? And I said, because because St. Joseph's knows that statistically kids learn better if they're dressed up and they want you to do well in school. So St. Joseph's loves you. And that's why you have to wear a tie to school. And then I whispered to my wife, how the hell was that? Was that a good answer? <laughs> <laughs> Survey says. <laughs> Oh, wow. So not only does God love you, not only do your parents love you, but St. Joseph loves you. Noah. Loves you. Come on. Yeah, he <laughs> loves you. That's why he wants you to wear this tie. <laughs> uh, so every time you're uncomfortable during the day, just know it's with love. Oh. Well, it's always great chatting with you, Alan. Yep. Same, um, brother. Yes. Have a wonderful afternoon, Mr. McCabe. You too. All right. Peace out. See you, Tom. Peace. Peace.